I want to thank you for joining me for this episode of God Talk. And I promised last week that this week I was going to probably talk about the supply chain. Um, I was going to do it, but I think I'm going to hold off a little bit on that because um, I just kind of want to see the way things play out a little bit more before I join the chorus of people that like to yell, the sky is falling. There's been way too much uh, of that going on uh, over the last couple years, and I don't really want to be a part of that. I see a lot of potential danger in the in the months that are ahead for us in this country and in the world. Uh, but I think to some extent, some of it can be averted if uh, some decisions are better decisions are made um, in Washington and um, in various leaders around the world. So let's just see how that all plays out. But I will say this. Um, you need to be prepared. Uh, be prepared to not have turkey at Thanksgiving. And you know what? If you if you have to have steak rather than turkey, if you have to have tacos rather than turkey, mind you, it's not ideal. I get it. But there will be a time again, hopefully God willing, that you can have turkey at Thanksgiving or otherwise, even if you don't this year. So keep it in proper perspective. Um, be prepared. Um, have... You know, man, I hope we don't get to that point where you can't get toilet paper or water or paper towels or hand soap or, you know, I, I hope we don't get to that point again, let alone, you know, even food and, and food on the, uh, the shelves of the grocery store. So you need to be prepared. Um, have a little backup in case uh, there's uh, some minor disruptions and things. But you see, there's a fine line between being prepared and hoarding. In the name of being prepared, people hoarded uh, during the, the, the COVID crisis a year and a half ago or so. And as a result, the shelves were empty in the grocery store. They were packed. You couldn't get toilet paper. You couldn't get the basic necessities. And listen, I need you to understand that even if civilization unravels and you know half of humanity dies, um, it is better to die than to hoard. Because our hope isn't in this world, and you know we want to think of people other than ourselves. It's, it's what our God did. It's what he commands us to do. And it is far better for you to die to this world than your neighbor up the street and their five-year-old son die because they don't have fresh drinking water or they don't have food um, as you've got uh, you know, a closet full of it in your house. So be prepared, but don't hoard. And don't panic, because in the end, once again, we don't. Uh, our hope is not in the things in this life. Um, we're all going to die at some point. So if it's sooner than later, then then so be it. You get you get the reward sooner. Uh, don't cling to the worthless things of this world. Don't be irresponsible. So just in the same way that if you're going to drive across the country in the winter, you know, have one of those uh, thermal blankets. Have some gloves, have some boots to walk across snow, a ski mask or whatever to keep you warm while you get to where you need to be. If that's all we're talking about, then be responsible. But don't hoard and don't panic. That's the way we're going to leave it on the uh, supply chain issue right now um, because I want to talk about some other issues, just things that have been going on in my life, different perspectives I've developed over the last week. And what I really want to talk about is let's stop making excuses for what's going on in, in, in the world. Let's stop making excuses for what's going on in this country. And let's stop making excuses for, um, for what's going on in our lives. Um, you know, it, it's not easy to watch someone die. As a pastor, I, I have to watch people die uh, far more often than the average person because 
my life is interconnected with hundreds of families that are connected to the church and uh and it's just it's not easy it it, it never is easy but you know what it's it's not easy watching a country die and it's not easy watching a church die and as a as a spiritual person as a, a person who has you know been called by God to uh, be his mouthpiece and to uh, give warnings and concerns over um, what's taking place in this world um, I, I maybe have a little bit more insight to that or pay more attention than maybe what the average person is but I see a death of a country um, on the horizon I see the death of a church really um, in this country and maybe even to a larger part in most of the world um, and and, and it, it doesn't make you feel good. It didn't make the prophets feel good in the Old Testament. Uh, but it happened, and, and, and Israel really ultimately lost the favor of God. I, uh, I was thinking of just all the places in Scripture where God laments over uh, the falling away of Israel. Um, and just going to read to you a couple verses from the book of Matthew where Jesus is lamenting um, over, uh, over Jerusalem and, and, and Israel's falling away. It's from Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 and 38. Jesus cries out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen will protect her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. That, that's really where we are as a country. Uh, we're, we're, we're just desolate. The life is gone. It's been sucked out. And honestly, that, that's where we're at as a church. And, and I can't help but think that God grieves to see the country that we were, that we're not now. That God grieves to see that the, the, the state of the church in America now than what it was before. Um, I, you know, I'm going to just share with you. Uh, I don't know if you saw these uh, Gallup numbers that came out. Uh, I think it was in March of this year. So uh, just a few months ago. But for the first time in 80 years since Gallup has been doing surveys, they found that less than half of all U.S. adults belong to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. And we're not just talking about Christians here. We're talking about Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Half of all Americans uh, are, are not even connected in one of those three religions, let alone Christianity. You want to think about why do we have problems in this country? How about this? Less than half of Americans don't go to a, a church, a mosque, or a synagogue. Uh, the mosque and synagogue are problems in and of itself. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, just what the numbers are of, of a Christian church. But if it's under 50% for all three of those, you know, what, maybe we're looking at 42 43% of Americans that go to are members of a Christian church. That's going to explain a lot of the problems that we have in this country. And, and when I read those words of Jesus, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wept for you, how I just want to gather you under my wings like a, 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 a chicken does uh, her chicks and protect you. But you won't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and it's desolate. The country's desolate. The church in America is desolate. When Gallup started the survey um, 80 years ago, U.S. church membership was 73% in 
in America in 1937. So in 1937, 73% of all Americans belonged to a church, and it would have been Christian churches back then. There there weren't mosques and stuff like that back in America back then. And it remained at 70% for the next 60 years. It's only in the last 20 years that it has fallen off a cliff, and it has. When you keep at 70% for basically 60 years of tracking, but in the last 20 years, it's gone down by 23%. That's a huge problem. This isn't, this isn't like a long stand. Well, I mean, it is long standing, and, and the foundations of it go further back, and there's reasons for it. But you want to talk about people are freaking out about a couple degrees with climate change? Why don't you freak out about 23% in terms of church membership change in this country? We are a non Christian society without doubt without doubt without question for those of you who think america is christian pull your head out of your sand or your backside or wherever you have your head because it's just not reality anymore what's the breakdown of that well 66 percent of americans that were born before 1946 predates me um 66% of people born before 46 attend or are members of church. Uh, 58% of boomers do, and that predates me too, by the way. Um, Gen X, uh, 50% uh, attend uh, or are members of a church. And then 36% from millennials. So you can see that Gen X, which is me, millennials, which come after me, um, it, it starts in my generation, and it, it's the generation after us, and they say Generation Z. Uh, there's not uh, firm rates for it yet, but they seem to mirror the millennials. 36%, a third of all Americans. That is the future of this country. And so when we understand what the situation is in this country, it, now it's time to stop making excuses. It's not the Democrats' fault. It's not the liberals' fault. It's not, you know, the, the school teachers' fault. It's not the whatever's fault. It's the fact that we've turned our back on God as a majority of people in the country. And so what this message really about, this podcast is about, is stop making excuses. It's time for us to stop making excuses for why things are the way that they are in America. The, the way that they are in America is because, well, um, in many respects, uh, the, 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 the church is dying. God is losing in America. And because God is losing in America and the church is dying, the country is failing. And I said, it's, it's not fun watching a person die. Especially when there's no way to bring them out of it, when there is no hope. Now, that's that question I don't have the answer to is, is there a way to bring us out of it? Is there a way to have a revival of sorts and reverse these numbers? Well, not until at least we recognize that there's a problem. Someone can't overcome their drug addiction or their alcohol addiction until they first recognize that there's a problem. So the first thing that we got to do is recognize that there's a problem. We have leaders that need to say, you know what? Uh, The problem here is we've lost our footing with God. And until we bring back those, those morals and those values, yeah, we can't force you to believe in God, but we can instill those same morals and values that will point you to God 
and be in line with what God teaches, you know, if, if we start doing that, maybe, maybe we can have a, like a, a last minute cure. We can, we can have a rally of sorts that can last 20 more years, 50 years. Who knows? Maybe a hundred more years. I, I'm skeptical. But I don't know that we're in the place in which, you know, you're, you're watching a person being taken off life support and they're gasping their final breaths. I don't think we're there yet as a country. But unless we recognize the problem and we do something to fix the problem, unless we stop making excuses, then that is going to happen probably in my lifetime, if not in my kids' and grandkids' lifetime, without question. Without question. You know, I, I just as a people in general, we, we love to make excuses rather than do something about it. I, I've been dealing with a lot of counseling lately, a lot. And I have to tell you, there's a lot of dysfunction in, in, in people's lives. People who are telling me, I don't know if I want to go on every time I do this, then this just happens. This is, it's like, get to the underlying reason as to why. You're sitting here, you know, you're an adult, you have a kid, and, 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 and you're not sure if you want to go on. What is your deal? What is your problem? For the sake of the kid, you better, like, carry on. And and how about, like, recognizing what brings you into these situations? Stop doing them, do, doing things different, and see if you get a different result. Once again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again. But it's much easier to just make excuses. It's someone else's fault. It's not in my control. Poor is me. Woe is me. Man, that gets you nowhere. Man, that gets me frustrated. I, I, I feel like, you know, Jesus' words as he weeps over Jerusalem. I'm literally weeping over people's lives as I try to help them and change their lives in counseling because they could be doing something about it. I, I want to protect them. I want to help them, but they've got to be willing to do it. But they're not. You know, when we look at uh, the president of the United States, in uh, the horrible approval ratings this far into his presidency. And listen, I, 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 I'm honest and, and I'm balanced. I understand that the president before us had similar numbers, but these are historically low. And there's a reason why the president before us isn't uh, the president now. And, and it's not just because of you know shady things that happened with the election. It, it, you know, he did some things that, that he probably didn't need to do. And so now he's not in office now. Now, listen, I believe as a pastor all the time, I do things not for popularity. You do what's right. And I'll never criticize that. And for our president before, President Trump, he did many things that were right. And right on, man, don't worry about the consequences. Just do it. And and I'll die for that. But when you do other things that hinder it and that get in the way in your personality and, and your inability to, um, to say you make mistakes and all these other things, you know, that he got crucified for, crucified. It seems like this alternative that we had isn't really a lot different, is he? Because he won't admit he makes mistakes. He won't back down on what he's doing. This great uniter of the country has divided us. It's, it's the vaxxers against the non-vaxxers. You know, he, he's destroying the country by, you know, trying to bribe people with, with, with all kinds of stimulus packages that we can't afford. Inflation's going through the roof, supply chain problems. We didn't have this under the previous administration and we had COVID. And, but all they want to do is make excuses and they won't do anything about it. Listen. Do something about it. I Give that to Trump, man. That, that guy, I mean, maybe he made excuses, but he also did a lot about things. You might not have agreed with it, but he did something. 
And, and so with this president, it's like, you know what? We already have supply chain problems. How are you going to handle when you lose a third of the workforce and you're going to penalize them by not giving them unemployment because they're not willing to get a vaccine that they don't even really need? But because you and your whatever are thinking that they do, you're, you're trying to force it upon them. And, and you not only have these people willing to walk, but you got a lot of people who've gotten the vaccine that are willing to walk just to defend their, their rights. Ask Southwest Airlines how that goes. And now they've backtracked on it, and so they should. You got the mayor of Chicago that is trying to get the suburban police officers to come because she's about to have to fire a third of her police force because they refuse to get vaccinated. The funny thing is, is you're going to be bringing in suburban police officers that aren't vaccinated to replace the people who you fired because they weren't vaccinated. How messed up is that? Hey, here's an idea. Because we already can't get goods, because we can't afford 35% unemployment. We don't want to destroy people's lives for something that, that scientifically is very questionable that we need to do. How about you just change your mind? How about you go back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to delay this a little bit. I'm going to, um, I, 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 we're, we're going to hold off. You know, I've heard someone say we're going to hold off till after the holidays on implementing this. If he would just say that. And then, hey, here's a suggestion. If you do that, how about you never bring it back up again? Now, that's an idea. But you know what? Rather than doing anything about it in all the different problems, even with Afghanistan and all the other problems that he had, all he does over and over again is make excuses. Listen, things are never going to get better when you're just sitting there making excuses. Not for the country, not for the president, not for the church, not for the supply chain. There's a lot of reasons why there's issues with the supply chain right now. But in the end, we either do something about it or they're just excuses. So my encouragement to, to everyone with my podcast today is, hey, how about this? How about stop making excuses? And I'm going to challenge each of you in your own lives because this plays itself out in so many different ways. Is what's, what's messed up in, in, in your life? And, and how many of us are actively doing something about it? Or how many of us are just sitting back and making excuses for why it's that way? Listen, you have to recognize that there's a problem first. And you have to be willing to address the problem. And until you're able to recognize the problem and address it, you're no different than an addict that, that doesn't recognize that they have a problem. They have to hit bottom. They have to recognize they have the problem. They have to do something about it. That's what all of us in here need to do. We need to do it individually, whether it's relationships. We need to do it maybe in terms of our responsibilities at home, at work. Uh, we have to do it, um, you know, whatever situations we find ourselves in and the dysfunction that, that we're, we're dealing with. Recognize it for what it is. Stop making excuses and do something about it. Do something about it based upon reality. Do something about it based upon God's word. Do something about it based upon um, what's real and not what's imagined. And you're going to start seeing benefits if you do. I'm not saying if the world ends, you're going to keep living. No one's saying that, but I'm saying you can make a difference in your world. We actually have the ability to influence things a whole lot more than what we realize. And if we're going to turn this country around, if we're going to turn the church around, and if we're going to turn our individual lives around, we got to stop making excuses and be willing to stand up and do something about it. Are you willing to do it? I hope so.